Every doctor is concerned about your vital signs, but a good doctor cares about your overall health. Your website deserves the same care, and Hey Check It is here to help. Hey Check It is a website performance monitoring and optimization tool. It goes beyond just core web vitals to give you a full picture on how to optimize your website to give your users a happy experience. It includes AI-generated SEO data, accessibility scanning, and site speed checks with suggestions on how to improve, and a number of various other tools to help you. Start a free trial today at HeyCheckIt.com. Welcome back to Software Social. Colleen here, and today I am very excited to share that we have a special guest. Corey Haynes from Swipe Files is going to be joining us today. Corey, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really, really stoked, and I was flattered that you asked me because I'm a big fan and listener, oh. and, so, and we're friends, you know, part of the Indie Hackers San Diego crew, and uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm really stoked. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. I feel like a lot of people know who you are because you've kind of established yourself as the marketing guy for <laughs> bootstrappers. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think so. I think I've I've carved a nice little niche and that's how most people think of me, or at least, you know, when they email, I have a little newsletter, autoresponder. And so a lot of people will be like, well, I heard you, you know, mentioned on the Startups for the Rest of Us podcast and or you know, saw your work with Derek Reimer, or you know, saw your head of growth at Parametrics, and so I think uh, marketing guy for Bootstrappers is very, <laughs> very accurate. So you started at Parametrics. Was that your first marketing job? I had one before that. So I started as the first okay. marketing hire for a startup here in San Diego called Cordial, and I actually started as the junior marketing intern. And then when I graduated college, I got hired on full time as the first marketing hire. I call it my crash course in marketing because that's when I did everything wrong and did all the things and <laughs> learned everything the hard way. But yeah, so that was my, my experience before Metrics. And, and so, yeah, I mean, honestly, I haven't been in the game for that long, really. I mean, compared to a lot of other people, but yeah. That actually makes me feel really good to hear that you haven't been in the game for very long because you've been so successful. <laughs> so it's nice to see you can iterate so quickly and learn so quickly and be so successful so quickly. Did you just kind of fall into Barometrics? Like, how did that happen? I was following Josh on Twitter, and uh, I saw that he was okay. starting to kind of poke around about asking people what type of role he should hire for, and when, and you know, what what type of person that role would be best fit for. And yeah, and then he just posted on Twitter. And at first, actually, I I just sent him an email and said, "Hey, I think I'm probably too early or like too junior for this, but here's just like a whole bunch of ideas and or." just like a list of stuff that I would do basically. And he was like, are you sure you don't want to apply? And I was like, oh, well, if that's an invitation, <laughs> then I'll take it. And <laughs> and yeah, the rest is history. And how long were you there? Almost two years. I think just like a month. Oh, that's not long at away. all. For some reason, no. I thought it was longer. Yeah. Okay. And then you became independent after that? Yeah, after that. So yeah, I mean, really, it was about, it was about two years at Cordial, about two years at Barometrics, and now, just over a year out on my own, and been working with Derek part time for, you know, right. as a sort of outsourced marketing lead for about a year now. So, call me a job hopper or a millennial or whatever stereotype you want, but <laughs> definitely not a definitely not a lifer by any means for any company. Tell me about what you're doing now with your own community you've been building. Yeah, so Swipe Files, man, it's kind of through a lot of different iterations. And uh, I wouldn't say pivots, more, I think iterations is a better better term for it. But uh, how I describe it to family is it's a, a marketing community and website to learn marketing for SaaS companies. 
and then you know what is SaaS and how is marketing different for SaaS company? But you know, for people like us, right? It's a membership site. There's a community. There's courses, and then there's access to me through office hours, and I'll, I'll meet with anyone who's a member, right? And talk shop, talk strategy. Fairly soon, there's will also be kind of like a hiring aspect to it as well. But really, the gist of it is the community courses. And it's kind of this bundle all under a membership. Do you remember our first interaction? Was it me DMing you about marketing resources and offering my course? It was. Yeah. And I thought you were creepy and I blew you off. <laughs> Which is totally, yeah, totally. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> how many, like, how did that, did you just, is that how you started it? You just started DMing people on Twitter? No. I, so, well, I made a habit of that, I will say. But how okay, I started with so the, that's part of your... Yeah, yeah. Like, that's part of my, okay. my shtick, my personality. I'm just like... Here you Your go. Okay. I don't care. It drives my wife nuts, nuts sometimes because I have like no like fear of like putting myself out there for anything. And so I'll just yeah. offer any information. I'll put myself in any, insert myself in any conversation. But how, how the courses started. So the courses were the first kind of iteration of swipe files, sort of like pre-swipe files, but ended up becoming a core part of it was I always wanted to create a course. And then I started talking about mental models and frameworks. And I had a lot of like my same like peers who were in the same place of being like an individual contributor, but weren't like any in sort of like a leadership role, started putting together all these like frameworks and strategies and kind of these ways of thinking about marketing. And then up on calls and we'd talk shop and I'd be like, oh, well, here's my notion doc full of all these things that I've, you know, found helpful uh, to think more strategically as a marketer. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. Like you should put this out there and sell it. And then like enough people said that where I was like, okay, well, I think I'll just, I'll actually make it happen. And then I kind of, kind of caught the bug and I had, I noticed I had all the same conversations at Bear Metrics where people are asking about what's working and what's not working and asking me, you know, what do you advise that we do? And so I started putting together kind of my own framework for how I thought about SaaS marketing. And I thought I should make this a course too. And then anytime someone would ask about it, I would just, I made a habit of DMing or emailing or commenting on a tweet and <laughs> shooting my shot, right? Not trying to be salesy, but just being like, yeah. hey, here's something that yeah. I created. You might find helpful or not, but at least you'll know about it now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, which is awkward sometimes, right? But And sometimes it doesn't work out because people don't understand your intentions. Like at first we had, right? which is so funny. But <laughs> but the courses, yeah, have been great. I'm actually, I need to, I think 2022, I'm going to re-record them because now it's been about two years and I need to you know, update them. And that's sort of like the thing with courses that can be hard, but right now in the middle of creating a new one, but, but the great thing is that now there's like this evergreen repository of knowledge that I can always share with people and go back to. And I reference that all the time too. I'm like, okay, we're thinking about, yeah. you know, spinning up affiliate stuff for Savvy Cow. And like, what did I say two years ago? I'm just going to go watch my own video or look back at my notes and bring up the slide deck. And so it's a good thing to create. Is Swipe Files a community and courses? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, which is part of the difficulty of running like anything like has to do with like a membership, because it ends up being kind of this hodgepodge combination of a whole bunch of different things all together, and there isn't really like a defined category for membership sites. Like they all do it differently, right? So you have to do some educating about like what it is and why you're structuring things this way. But basically, the the kind of place that I've come to is that it's very content first. I would say. Because mm -hmm. what ends up happening is that uh, before I, I sort of had it split out from like, okay, there's a community. And then if you want to like upgrade, then you can do the community and the courses, or you can buy the courses separately. But then what happened was that people would ask a question in the community, for example, 
And I'd be like, oh, well, I, I covered this in this video here. If you just want to spend 15 minutes to watch this and then I don't have to like, you know, copy and paste or regurgitate everything that I've already gone through the work of doing. And then I started recommending, recommending people that they just upgrade from the get-go that way I have the courses and then any question they have about the course material or just, you know, after knowing that anything that I would didn't fill or maybe some nuance to some sort of tactic, then the community's there as the sort of like supporting pillar to fill in all the other gaps there. So I found it better to like lead with the content and then the community's the supporting factor rather than vice versa, where you end up kind of like offering up course content all the time anyways. Makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. So with simple file upload. So I have the file uploader, simple file upload, which is a tool for developers. And I think I may have made a tactical mistake in that I tried to hire my sister to help me with marketing, but she doesn't know anything about marketing <laughs> and I don't know anything about marketing. <laughs> and so we're just like, Bleh! like no one knows what, like we don't know what we're doing. Blind leading the blind, right? Right, that's exactly yeah. what it is. It almost, like I think looking back, it would have almost made more sense for her to get a, a real job and learn something and then come try and work for me and learn those tactics um, and apply them to my thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's really, really hard. I mean, here's the thing too, is that you could, I think this is true for any industry. It's not, I'm not saying like, oh, SaaS marketing is the hardest or the most difficult uh, one to do, but every industry has its own flavor and kind of playbook of what marketing looks like. And so you take someone yeah. from the, the D2C e-commerce world and you throw in, throw them into a software company and they will have no idea what to do because they're like polar opposites. D2C e-commerce is all about uh, Instagram and TikTok and paid advertising and influencer, you know, deals essentially. Right. And then you get into SaaS yeah. and it's like, there's basically no paid advertising. No one's on Instagram or TikTok, at least not yet. Right. But it's like the channels are all different. The tactics are all different. The playbook looks not, nothing the same. And then you take that across any other, other industry. I remember actually one of my conversations with, um, I interviewed a woman named Ashley Levesque, who was a marketing director for a robotics company or a, remote, a robotics manufacturing company, in fact. And she was like, yeah, literally there are two channels in the whole industry. You go to events and you publish stuff in like the magazines and then like, you know, the digital versions of those magazines, but like, you're not going to find anyone on LinkedIn. You're not going to find anyone on Twitter. You're not going to find anyone on any other place. There are no niche forums. There are no other things. Those are the two, right? So then like they really mastered the whole kind of events playbook and they really mastered the ability to work with publishers and publish thought leadership. And it was all about sort of extracting this really niche knowledge from their leadership team and forming that into these, you know, articles for magazines and these sort of featured stories. So I don't blame you. It, I mean, it's really, really difficult. You have to, one, you know, adapt to kind of the playbooks and the tactics that are going to be most promising for our software companies. And then two, you have to go and like do those things and practice them. And learning yeah. the hard way is expensive and takes a lot of time. And it's frustrating too, right? Because you have to just sort of figure it out. Yes. Okay. So I am at this point where I, like many SaaS founders, am convinced I'm one great feature away from product market <laughs> fit. <laughs> but I was actually looking at my signup graphs because I'm starting trying to do like invest, I don't have investors, but like advisor updates yeah. just to keep me kind of on track to see how I'm growing, to see how things are going. And I saw that I realized that 
I had this huge spike in signups in September. Mm. And I don't even know why. So, like, I mean, what? I guess. So here I am trying to figure out, like I said, can I grow this thing? I'm at like 1200 MRR. So it's a thing. It's real money. Oh, yeah. But I am totally lost and confused. What advice would you give me on <laughs> how to even find a channel that works? How to, mm. like you said, you got to put in the reps. I don't even know what that means. Mm. What does that even mean? Yeah. I mean, th this is the conundrum, especially when I think it's actually, it's, it's most interesting by interesting. I mean, most hard, more, most difficult when <laughs> something has worked, but you don't know what that thing is that worked, right? It's like, okay, we've gotten to $1,200 right. in MRR, but you have no idea, maybe not no idea, but there isn't really isn't like a clear indicator of where these people came from, who they are, how they found you, what made them decide to sign up with your product instead of another alternative. What were all the things right. that stopped people from upgrading who didn't end up going with you? So one, just talk about the analytics and the attribution side of things. Despite what the blog posts might tell you or what people high up in you know, the Airbnbs and Ubers of the world, no one has attribution figured out whatsoever, like literally <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, at this point, it's good to know. It's a joke. Yeah. It's, okay. Here's yeah. the thing. So when I was at Cordial, I experienced this the hard way the first time where it was like, you know, you're trying to give reports to leadership and you're trying to test and measure and iterate. And, you know, this is like in the, the peak of sort of like the whole growth marketing phase, right? And that was like the era. And that's what everyone was talking about. It was like quantifiable marketing and measurable marketing. And I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I can't me measure anything. Nothing works. I'm plugging UTM parameters. We're paying for all this expensive software and like nothing yeah. is really making a difference. And even today, so today now it's getting worse because we have all these uh, data and privacy laws and regulation. Cookies are going away. You have Apple and Google and Facebook all feuding over data and ownership and what gets shared where and what and why. And so just know that it's never going to be perfectly clear. <laughs> sort of a good place to start okay. is like... That's good to know. Yeah, it, it's never going to be really clear. Now, there are things that you yeah. can do to make your life a little bit easier and where you can start to track things. So the first thing I always tell everyone because it applies to everyone no matter what your situation if you're a billion dollar ARR you know HubSpot type of company or if you're a simple file upload is have a form question in the sign up process or even afterwards if you can sort of like incorporate it into the onboarding in the product in a I don't know a natural way or a functional way is yeah. ask a simple question how'd you hear about us and make it a open text field, not like a drop down with radio buttons or even like multiple select, because you want people to give to, to be as specific as possible or as broad as possible. And that will kind of give you this heartbeat and this little cadence of just kind of these little pieces, these little clues that you can start to stitch together. So we do this with SavvyCal and um, okay. I can go through our activity log in Slack because it all gets pushed into there when someone signs okay. up and I can see how to hear about us and I can literally look through and see Online search. Well, that's not helpful. Search. Not super helpful. <laughs> search. But wait, actually, now I'm starting to put something together of people are searching. So this is kind of implying SEO or Google, right? How'd you hear about okay. us? DuckDuckGo. Interesting. I forgot people use that. Hmm. Podcast. VC, right? A lot of these <laughs> are going to be not interesting. But then there's going to yeah. be one where they will link a specific article and they say, hey, you were mentioned in this article of the five best calendar apps for 2022. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know ah. that was a thing. Who's the author of that? How'd they find us? Then I go and ask them, hey, how'd you hear about Savvy Cal? 
straight from the source, right? Or I might hear, you know, Derek did a, an interview with a guy named Peter Keys, I want to say on his podcast and his, and his YouTube. And then we'll see directly, oh, people, you know, they say they came from the Peter Keys video on YouTube, right? Okay. So it might be really, really vague or it might be really, really specific. Yeah. And with both of those, you can start to kind of piece together these clues, but also you can start to quantify a little bit, like how many people said they came from Google or search and how many people say they came from this Peter Keys video and we know that's that's not going to be a holistic representation of all the people, but right. from all the responses that we have, we can start to say, you know, 20% of people come from search, 20% came from affiliates, 20% came from X, Y, and Z, right? And now you have a little bit more of a clearer picture. Now, that's mainly useful for when things are working to a certain degree, right? And I would say that probably right. Simplify I'll Upload is, is at that degree because... You're at $1,200 MRR, and especially with the volume that you have, like how many customers um, do you have right now in total? Not, I mean, that's not that many. It's like 30-ish. 30, okay. Well, 30 still is still good, and especially with the amount of signups that you have, because the interesting part is that you don't want to just measure customers. You want to measure all signups and know where people are talking or are coming right. from, right? So even right. if you have one to two people who sign up per day, but then only 10% of those people end up converting you still get the attribution yeah. of all those people. How they found me. Right, exactly. How they Got found it. you. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's attribution, right? Just know it's not going to be perfect. Personally, I'll give a shout out to uh, Splitbee. I've been actually really impressed with their product for kind of web analytics and attribution tracking. They, I will say I've gone through a lot of tools. I've done demos with a lot of tools. Splitbee is very simple but effective. And it's bootstrapper okay. friendly too. It's very affordable. So I've been impressed with them. Okay. You set up some simple events around, you know, completed checkout or signed up, you know, filled out a form, and then you can start to break it down by campaign source content, you know, all those sorts of things that are sort of automatically appended to a URL that you can track right now, as far as like figuring out channels and like, where do we go from here? Obviously, you want to double down on things that work, right? If you're at right. zero MRR, you don't know what works. So you have to kind of go a different direction, which is to sort of start from first principles of where do I think that customers might come from? And personally, so here's my other like big learning from being at Cordial was that we can sit in a room and brainstorm for hours and hours and hours and come up with this big immaculate plan. But if it's not based on real data from customer research, then we're, we might as well be throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like there's literally, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no point in doing it. In fact, we experienced this at Cordial where we're like, why don't we do this thing over here, run this interesting campaign and run these targeting targeted ads to this group of, you know, target personas that we've sort of made up as the perfect profile for Cordial. Turns out none of those things really existed and they were completely useless. And so <laughs> instead, if you start with customer research and you ask really simple questions like, who are you? And what are you looking for? And where do you hang out online? Who do you learn from? What podcasts do you listen to? What newsletters do you subscribe to? What events do you attend? Generally, how do you find and discover new tools? Then you can start to piece yeah. together of how your type of person wants to be marketed to, right? That way you're not like throwing things down their throat. You're also not guessing, but you're also trying to match the way that you are doing marketing to the way that people find and discover products like yours. So I'll, I'll turn it back on you for a second. So I'm not just like lecturing here, but like, but how do you, I mean, how would you describe the target or 
Weasley's wears like targets. It's like, oh, ugh. sorry about that. The perfect customer for a simple file upload. Like who's that person? So I think this is really part of my struggle because although I know this isn't the way to do it, the net is wide, right? If you say who's going to yeah. use this, everyone's right. going to use it. And because everyone is going to use it, I don't know who to target. But I do think based on the questions, the thing about file uploading is there's like a million things, like features you can add to that. So based on the questions I've been getting from users, customers, paying customers, and interested customers, it seems like I have two groups of people here. I think I have like the big data people and they're primarily backend developers. They want to upload 30 gig files and they have a ton of storage needs, but they don't really care about like what it looks, I mean, they care about what it looks like, but not that much. They're not resizing images. They're not cropping images. Mm. Then I've got the companies that just need 10, 20,000 images because they have pictures and avatars. And that group doesn't want to upload really big files. They don't want their own storage. They just want it to work. And they care a lot about what it looks like. And mm. so I, so that's like, I, this, I just realized this yesterday, actually, while I was doing my little advisor update. So I actually don't know which group I'm marketing to because right now I'm just casting this wide net and I'm like, it's good for all people. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, with SavvyCal, it was sort of the same deal. I think for most SaaS products, in fact, I should write a blog post about this, but like, I think that it's actually podcast conversations are like the best way to like come up with new ideas for content, just by the way, because you learn all these (laughs) things about yourself and you're like, oh, I didn't know I had an opinion about that. Yeah, there's kind of this like, I don't know, in in marketing, or at least in software that like, you have to have like one persona, and this is like your perfect customer. And these are the type of people that you sell to. And I just don't think yeah. that's true at all. Like most SaaS companies and most SaaS products are going to have multiple uses They're It's going to be pretty, pretty broad. That's especially true yeah. for a broadly useful tool like SavvyCal, where it's going to be yeah. entrepreneurs and VCs and customer success and podcasters. And you're just like, well, we're never going to be able to nail something, but even for something really specific like file uploading, you're going to have backend developers and you're going to have all sorts of different uses and that's okay because that's what people want to do with it. And so I think instead of like fighting that and being like, well, I have to just focus on one. It's like, how do we, yeah. how do we market in a way that, that can at least kind of, you can do sort of like two different marketing programs at the same time to these two different types of people. Yeah or at least do marketing in a way that appeals to both of them and speaks to both of them or accounts for both of their needs. So I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think that at least now the people are developers or almost developers. Like I I, I try to make it easy enough to use that you can be brand new and still be able to use it. But generally speaking, I think that the people I'm marketing to are developers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, And they're generally, I would assume, working with a lot of images or on a product with a lot of images that need to be uploaded or, or stored, right? That seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them I can see their websites, which is cool. So mm. I have like, I've got a couple people that have real estate, which makes sense because it's so image heavy. Oh. Got like random businesses, like a nail salon. There's a guy that's running a music business. There's a couple people doing art, like art archive stuff. Hmm. So those are, those are the ones, cause some of them, depending on how they load it onto their site, I can see, I can figure out what their website is, but that's only a handful. So those are the ones like I've, I've noticed that I've been able to see. Wow. That's so interesting. So it's funny because I might be, 
I might be like stealing Michelle's thunder here, but I have to go back to customer research and talking to customers because I feel like I'm not going to be able to, here's the thing. I I wrote down a bunch of ideas for you and my notes around like, okay, here's just like places to start or just ideas you can go and test, but it's a little bit throwing speed at the wall, but really like what's going to be most useful and helpful. And I don't know if you've done this already to a certain degree or it might've been a while is to do like a switch interview type of conversation where someone signs up and they're like, oh, interesting. They're building a, or they work for like a real estate website. I don't know if it's like a, a Zillow or a realtor.com or something like that. And then you just ask them, hey, like, how did you, how did you find us? And like, what are the other things did you um, consider? Do you remember like what you typed into Google or what you searched for in Stack Overflow? Or like, it's hard for me because I'm not a developer, so I don't know like all the normal things that a developer would do. But like, you just try to learn like how, what were all the steps that led up to them finally finding you? Because it's so interesting, right? I think the like what always fascinates me about marketing is that um, you normally just get like the end result of someone signing up with you, but you don't know the windy road and crazy journey that someone is on to you. And you just happen to be at the destination, right? And it's like, woo, lucky yeah. us. Like we happen, you know, people wanted to come here and they found us and now they're happy to stay here and live in simple file upload land. But they had this crazy journey and you want to kind of figure out like, where did it start? Especially what was the trigger that made them search for or consider or even like think of maybe there's a product for this. That's kind of a crazy thing for file uploading. Maybe it's uh, more and more common with developer tools or just sort of integrating third party products into apps or websites, whatever people are using. But um, doing a switch type of interview, we're trying to piece together and like literally work backwards of. Okay, so you signed up for Simplify Upload. Like, what was the thing you did right before that? And then what was the thing you did right before that? And like, can you walk me through your decision to type in file upload script in, you know, Stack Overflow or whatever it looked like, right? And then you're just trying to piece together all these things that then you can map back to marketing campaigns, right? Around maybe I create a page yeah. that specifically tries to target this keyword that I just learned people are searching for that leads to needing a file uploader, right? Or maybe it's, I'm going to run ads on Stack Overflow in this certain section because that's where people are grabbing the script and that's what they use before they, you know, that it breaks. And then they're like, ah, we need something better. Let's go search for a product for this or things like that, right? We try to piece it it together. Okay, question for you that, that made me think of this. So I don't know, I guess it was last week, the top post on Hacker News was about Cloudflare and how their image offering is crappy Uh and so it got a ton of i had the number one comment on it though which is exciting um and it's hacker news so it didn't i mean i think it drove a couple signups so i was wondering if there's a way to reach out to the guy who originally wrote the blog post like what would you Mm. do in this situation because i was thinking like maybe i should reach out to him and ask him to like review simple file upload Mm. or is there an opportunity (laughs) here i guess is my question because people love to to crap on Cloudflare. Hmm. Everyone was like, oh yeah, this sucks. <laughs> You're yeah, like, yeah, so let's all boop on together. I know. I'm like, <laughs> well, I tell you what too, Corey, like I am a single developer. So the fact that Cloudflare's, when I read his blog post, I was like, oh my gosh, like they have, they must have 20 developers. Hmm. How, how come they couldn't right, sort right. this out? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think there's anything I could do there with content? Yeah, probably. I mean, you, it's basically like a, l- a little bit doing sales too, right? Where you're like, why don't you try this instead? Or, you know, how about yeah. you look at this? Maybe this solves, you know, your problem. I don't know if that person was looking for 
something in particular or if they were just kind of ranting? <laughs> I think general, he was just but, ranting, okay. <laughs> but it got like a ton of comments. So, People were really interested. So it struck a nerve, which is really interesting, right? That makes me think that there's a lot of untapped kind of potential. Actually, so the first thing that I thought of when I heard of that was you need to have a Cloudflare images alternative page, essentially. Right. Something, That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Like a landing page or something. Oh, 100%. Because... That, that To me, that triggers that a lot of people feel this way and that there's probably a lot of people, whether the tools like Ahrefs or uh, Google Search Console show it or not, they're probably searching for, you know, Cloudflare images alternative, Cloudflare images versus XYZ other kind of alternatives, um, you know, ways to improve. I don't know, like all the verbiage, right? There's probably these really specific words and phrases that they're using to describe whatever it is that they're going through or the problems with Cloudflare images, whether it's, I don't know, caching or, <laughs> right. I'm not going to make myself look stupid and talk about a lot of things that I don't know, right. Just use big fancy words. Um, but yeah, you can create landing pages specifically for Cloudflare images or content specifically around the things like the ways that Cloudflare images fall short, right. It's trying to kind of yeah. how I'm trying to think about it is, well, yeah. why does it suck? Uh, well, they don't do X, Y, and Z. And that's, so, okay, here's content piece A, exhibit A is how to do X, Y, and Z with or without Cloudflare, Cloudflare images, or just like in general, here's how you should think about architecting things in this way to account for the fact that Cloudflare images sucks. And also if you don't want to use that, then you can use this instead. That's where my, my mind first went. Of course, you can always go okay. back to that first person. If they're a blogger or someone who likes to talk about this kind of stuff, absolutely, I would reach out. And you have to, you have to be able to know, you know, read the room a little bit and know kind of like what's, what's appropriate and what's not in, in the marketing world, we're all marketers. So we're like very straightforward and blunt. <laughs> it's like, you know, Hey, yeah. so I talked about this thing. We have this thing over here. We think that this would be a great fit for you to cover as well. And, you know, mutually beneficial and kind of you, you speak marketing talk a bit, right. And use those kind of words. And generally people are, are open to that. But you might want to phrase things yeah. a little bit more subtly or delicately, depending on that person, so you don't burn a bridge and and or just they they receive it well. But absolutely, right. In fact, that was going to be one of the things I was going to was going to mention was in fact if you want to look more into it, Rand Fishkin just wrote this post on influence mapping, which I love. I okay. love this term so much. I'm going to like use it all the time and just like evangelize it as much as I can, because essentially what you're doing is you're figuring out all the people that I want to reach. Who do they? listen to and look to for advice, uh, you know, ah. who influences them, right? But influence is like a very broad kind of catch-all term for learn from, buy from, listen to, or entertained by, right? It's kind of like a lot of things all encapsulated in one. So influence mapping is basically the practice of figuring out all the people and media properties that have the attention of your target customer. And then how do you collaborate with them or insert yourself with them Right. So if, if they're a blogger, right, some sort of review or even just like a link in another post of recommended tools or, you know, so we went to this for SavvyCal productivity is one of the big spaces that we kind of want, like want to be a part of. Right. So I use SparkToro, which is Rand Fishkin's tool that is very aptly appropriate for, for influence mapping. But I just typed mm -hmm. in productivity and then I found a whole bunch of YouTubers and podcasters and bloggers who like to talk about this stuff. And then introduced myself and said, hey, just wanted to kind of put ourselves on the map. We're a SavvyCal. We're a Calendly alternative. I think you might like us for X, Y, and Z. By the way, 
if you want to do some sort of content collaboration, we'd be happy to contribute in any way. Also, we do have an affiliate program if you want to integrate this into your business model, right? And as a more long-term partnership. And that's very marketing because most of these people know the marketing game, but the same applies. You just have to have it in a different version for, you know, for developer-centric tools or whatever the equivalent is for your industry, you know, file uploading or app building, right? Whatever that, that looks like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Going back to what you said earlier about, which we all know, speaking to customers and doing the switch interview, that is something like every three to six months, I try and make that happen. And I've had a really, really low success rate on people wanting to talk to me, Hmm. but I should try again. Like, I mean, this reminds me that, that I should try again. I've had a lot more people. I think one of the good things I've noticed is I've changed some of my like onboarding emails from asking questions to giving helpful advice. Mm. Like it used to say, can you tell me about what you're working on? And now it says, here's some quick tips to get you started. And so I've had more people engaging with me over email, which I think is a good sign but yeah, I still haven't had anyone really willing to talk about how they found it. I think my theory on this is because file uploading is like very utilitarian. Mm. So you just do it, right? right. Like you don't want to think about it. You just, it works or it doesn't. You don't care too much. Like you just, you don't want to spend time on it. So that's my theory as to why a lot of people, it's not the core of your app. Like it's not, it's just this ancillary thing you have to do. So that's my personal theory on why a lot of people don't want to like sit down and talk to me, but I should do another round and ask the new people that have come on in the next, in the last couple months. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say maybe, maybe after, you know, month two or three, they're getting value out of it. They've obviously stuck around, they've implemented it and now they might be, yeah. you know, they have some more affinity for, for you, the creator. And you've also yeah. sort of built that trust maybe. and reputation. I was like, yeah, this product works, you know, like I should, I should return the favor, right. And kind of reciprocate uh, yeah. this generous act. And, um, and you can phrase it as, uh, Hey, you know, I'm a developer, you're a developer, I built this tool that you're using. I just want to learn more about how I can improve it for you and sort of, you know, uh, some simple questions about who you are so I can, you know, better, uh, modify or, you know, know, improve the product for your needs. Right. And then you can say, I'll throw in a $10 gift card or, you know, donate 20 bucks to your favorite charity for your time or something like that. Right. And then you do that with five or six people, you know, and you have 30 customers to draw from. Right. And so I think the odds are in your favor to get a couple at least. (laughs) I think too, maybe I know that you get more value and obviously I know this because my co-host wrote a book about it, but you get more value talking to someone, but I think developers don't like to talk to people. So I feel like email is a little less aggressive. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. This is just a theory. Maybe I'll try this out. Maybe I'll try with email before be. trying to get someone on the phone. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I could totally see that and understand that. And even too, I, I feel like this sometimes where I'm definitely more of like a thinker. And so when someone asks me a question uh, and I feel like I'm kind of put on the spot, I'm just drawing blanks, you know? And so if someone's right. like, you want hey, how'd you, how'd you find us? If I don't know the answer to that question, like I'm not going to find it in this call. <laughs> so an email yeah. sometimes is better for me to like, all right, let me like digest and think about this for a while. Let it marinate. Let me like try to go back and look and see you. And, and then I'll, it'll come back to me and then I can respond and email, you know, when I think of it. I'm going to do this. This is good. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I love it. So would your recommendation be then 
So let's, I'll, I'll then go after the people that I've had for a couple months, maybe do a, I like that I'm a developer, you're a developer. How can I make it better? Keep it short though, right? Mm -hmm. How did you find, do you remember how you found me? Yeah. Do you remember how you found this kind of thing? Yeah, I I would keep it very broad at first. I think the the thing you want to do, and again, uh, Michelle will probably say this as well, but you kind of just want to like get your foot in the door. So ask like a really easy to answer question, just one question. And then from there, you'd be like, oh, interesting. You know, you're very like enthused and you're trying to ask like, two or three questions now. And can you also tell me about X, Y, and Z? And then from there, you're like really digging into the nitty gritty about, oh, so you were on Stack Overflow and like, what did you search for? What did you find? Or you were on Google. Can you tell me exactly what you Googled for? And can you remember what types of things that you researched or read or what which blogs that you were that you were looking through? Or maybe it's YouTube videos or documentation or what other tools? What'd you like about them? What'd you not like about them? But definitely starts with that first very simple, very easy question. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I think I'm going to try that. Yeah. seems like a good plan. I I think, you know, so we were talking at the last meetup about developer centric tools and just how that's like fascinating to me because I'm not a developer and it just feels like this foreign world that's close to SaaS, but it's not really kind of equivalent in the same. And uh, personally, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for marketing, quote unquote, that really doesn't look like because, because developing is so utilitarian and that you're writing code and you're just solving things and and building stuff, then marketing can be a lot of that, like teaching, education, tutorial driven content, which is like the easiest and the best and the funnest and the most fulfilling marketing to do. And so you find all these, I think there's probably an opportunity to find all these interesting nuances and phrases and things that people are trying to solve for that lead them to simplify upload. And then you kind of build this backlog of, I don't know, 10 to 20 really, really, really niche long tail pieces of content. And those will serve yeah. you well for a long time, right? And I think that probably the hard part about Simplify Upload is that you have to catch people in the moment that they're looking for something like this, depending on yeah. the app development stage and or what type of thing that they're working on or even who they are, right? And they are the right type of person to be responsible for this. But if you can catch them, then you have a much higher chance of converting them and obviously, you know, keeping them for a long time as well. Yeah, I, d- I do think that is an interesting point because I don't have like a migration plan, right? People are not migrating from their existing solution to my solution. Yeah, yeah. They are, I, I'm catching them at the very beginning, which is very specific, right? They have to want file uploading right now, be frustrated with AWS or whatever, mm-hmm. and just implementing it for the first time. Yeah. One of the other things I want to make sure I ask because uh, I feel like it's a big piece of this equation is uh, it's a Heroku add-on, right? And so it's yes. it's built on top of a platform, which yes. already I would assume that a lot of people or a decent amount of people find you that way, just searching for stuff in the Heroku add-on marketplace or app store or whatever they call it. Um, yep. Maybe there's some you know app store optimization opportunities there. Maybe not. And or can it be built on other platforms and marketplaces and you can just sort of like copy and paste that over and duplicate, you know, be on like another place? Yeah, I have. So this is, I have big plans. I have, I mean, it's, I'm in a fun (laughs) stage, right? Everything is exciting. I have all the ideas and just none of the time. Yeah, I have big plans to try it in some other marketplaces, but there's a little bit, there's some tweaks I have to make to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Heroku's great because we get such a high quality customer 
because you already have your credit card in. I mean, it's not like yeah. random people. Like if you are signed up with Heroku, you have to have a credit card. Mm-hmm. So I get really high quality leads from Heroku. Once I got featured in their newsletter and that drove a ton of signups, mm. but they, they keep a really tight rein on what you're allowed to do. Like they have a lot of rules. Yeah. And so you get this one marketing page and that's it. Like you get the one page, mm. but Heroku specific marketing in terms of like you were saying really niche specific pieces of content is, is a really good idea mm-hmm. and something that I should get into. I, I don't know. I think the problem with being a platform is that you don't want to play favorites. And so, you know, usually they're a little bit like hesitant about doing too much kind of co-marketing stuff together with their add-ons yeah. and stuff like that. But if you're the only file uploader, <laughs> then they don't, you know, of course you're going to be their favorite because you're the only one, right? It's like your, your only child is your favorite child. Right. And, um, <laughs> and so maybe, you know, they won't be as hesitant about doing a lot of stuff with you or, and, or you can ask for links across other content they've created or, you know, simple things that are small asks that maybe aren't like, Hey, let's do a big blog post together. Or let's, you know, let me do a tutorial for you over video or something like that. Right. Or maybe you can and, and they'd be open to that. I have an idea. Yeah. 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 Okay. So they have a page on how to upload to AWS that's out of date and wrong. Mm. And they have a big red banner up there that says this doesn't work anymore in rails. I have a blog post that does it properly. Maybe I should just reach out to them and be like, hey, your stuff doesn't work. Oh, 100% you, you should. Like, yeah. Right? Definitely. That never occurred to me until right now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, so I'll tell you too, okay. kind of secret about a lot of this co-marketing stuff. I call it permissionless co-marketing because what okay. you want to do is first you want to involve them in a lot of stuff that you're doing and give them shout outs and basically do marketing for them and that you're you know, generously mention them online essentially. Right. But then okay. two, you want to find gaps in whatever that they're doing and then just offer to fill that gap even proactively. And so this yeah. is a perfect example where you're like, Hey, this thing's out of date. I have content right now that fills this, you know, I'd be happy to provide right. it for you. We did this with a lot of, you know, blog posts, kind of guest writing for Savvy Cal, where okay. I will do keyword research for the blog that we want to write for and be like, Hey, I oh. see you're not writing for this keyword. It's got X amount of search volume. I'm not sure if it's like in the pipeline yet, but we'd be happy to write this for you and we will pay for the freelance writer. We will do all the research. I'm a marketer. I know what I'm doing and, uh, and we'd be happy to publish this for you. And also, you know, we'll make a small casual mention of Savvy Cal, but this will be your content hundred percent. You can do whatever you want with it. People always say yes, yes to that because yes to that. it's free content, right? Right. Why would they say no? Vice versa as well. When someone asks me like, yeah. Hey, can we write for Savvy Cal? I'll be like, Sure. Here's a list of keywords that we're targeting. Pick one of these that you think you can write best. Write up an outline and a draft. Make sure you mention SavvyCal, and we'd be happy to publish that for you. So when you write for other people, do you also cross-post that on the SavvyCal blog, or is it just their content? And it has a backlink to SavvyCal. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. We don't personally. One of the reasons being that we kind of recycle some of the same content across multiple partners. And usually those people don't want, uh, don't want you to also publish that content. They want it to be like theirs. Theirs. Yeah. Yeah. That way, like you're promoting them and their content, not like your version of that same content. So that way they get more out of it. So yeah, normally we don't like cross post back to the Savvy Cal blog just because 
that makes them feel better about it and they want yeah, kind of that ownership. It's theirs. Cool. Wow. That's neat. Yeah. That's a, Got I mean, any other good ideas? <laughs> lots, lots and lots and lots. All your How long do you have, right? Not much longer. <laughs> yeah, much We've long. already run over, yeah. but it's fine. You know, I was thinking, I'm just looking at my, my notes here just about other high level stuff. I think, you know, so when I wrote down that idea of influence mapping, I was thinking about, yeah, yeah popular programmers, bloggers in the space. I know that there's a lot of like developer influencer type people who are just like out on their own creating tutorials and you know there's like the rails cast guy and there's a lot of youtubers who are developers there's bloggers who are developers i Dude. personally like that because it's kind of like a grassroots thing where you're like hey you know can i pay you to even like do a, a review and or you have this content over here that talks about this thing would you mind just dropping a link to simple file upload because it does this really well. You know, if you don't, that's totally fine. Like that might be like the second ask that you want to do. But I think that working with a lot of these type of like developer creators is a really interesting idea. It's like a grassroots kind of thing because they're going to be doing content and marketing for you. Essentially, you get to reap the benefits of it. Um, maybe like developer relations type of stuff. If you do want to expand to other platforms, getting to know them, kind of butting it up. And again, I don't know if this is like super applicable because I know there's a lot of nuance in the developer world, but just made me think of like, that's a new category of person who is in charge of creating content, but isn't like a marketer. And they're looking to partner with people who are building on top of their platform usually. So it's maybe think like, maybe that's a good fit. And, and just other developer tools as well. Talking about that permissionless co-marketing. If, right. you know, if you're talking with your customers, you're also asking about like what else is in their stack. If there are other Heroku add-ons, if there are other, you know, small-ish kind of companies, you know, cause you can't do mark co-marketing with like a AWS, right? Like maybe you can, <laughs> nope. but like probably not. Right. It's my guess. <laughs> probably is no. not. Yeah. Probably so like, not. you know, peer companies who are also in, in their stack, like it's probably not coincidence that you're all being used together, right? Or that you just happen to be like yeah. another thing bolted on. So you can do that kind of permissionless right. co-marketing with them, find ways to collaborate, create content for them. You create content or they create content for you. And, or you can say, Hey, let's go on this together with Heroku and create a piece on this. And then we'll both get a shout out here. And maybe that's an easier ask, but I'm, I'm really about a lot of the like partnerships, co-marketing, like creator partnership kind of stuff too, with like influence mapping and whatnot. Oh yeah. I love this idea. And I'm kind of surprised it hasn't occurred to me before, to be honest with you, because when I, when I want to learn how to do something new, I go to one of the, you know, one of the YouTubers mm. I follow and I'll watch his video. If I can't figure it out from the guides or I read the guides, I'm like, this is how you do it. I go watch someone's video on it. Yeah. Or junior developers, how do they know what to do? They're, they're senior people tell them what to do. I mean, there's, that's absolutely the way. Mm -hmm. Like it feels so obvious actually, <laughs> now that you've just said it, that's a hundred It just literally never occurred to me to reach out to these people and be like, Hey, and they might all say, no, like that's bad for my reputation. I don't promote products, which is fine, but I haven't even asked. Yeah. Right. Or you can say, you know, so like one of the entry level like asks you can make is, you know, maybe not like a simple file upload or review, but more even just mm -hmm. like ways to improve their content. So if they're already talking about something related to Cloudflare images, you can, let's just say, for example, you yeah. might mention some other thing, you know, some other issues or kind of like workarounds and nuances that you found helpful based on your experience or even what you've learned from other people you'd be like, Oh, just by the way, here's some other things in here. And also here's like this, I don't know, like open source 
piece of code that I created that was like the impetus for simple file upload. If you just want to drop a link and, or, you know, one of the other things is you can say you're happy to provide uh, a quote or like contribute to the content. And then it's going to be, you know, Colleen from simple file upload said, and now you get a link back to simple file upload, even if what you're talking about isn't even remotely connected to image uploading, right? Off file uploading. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Awesome. This is super exciting. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm like really looking forward to this now. Uh, I'm glad the marketing guy is, is useful. <laughs> the marketing guy is always useful. We just learned that too late, right? right. Like us developers, like, oh yeah, we have to think about this and put time and energy into this. It's okay. a lot of work. It's it's a lot of work. I don't know if you've kind of like split your time, but uh, I just started reading through, It's I'm going to blank on it now, but it was like, the original person who said, if you're a solo founder, you should be splitting your time 50-50 between marketing and developing, even early on. And I can't imagine how hard that must be. I, I kind of can with Swipe Files because I'm creating content and I'm tweeting and emailing and doing all this other stuff as well. But they're two yeah. very different things, right? It's you market your product and you build your product and they're just completely different jobs. They're usually like very yeah. unrelated, right? So right. I get it. It's hard. Really, really hard. It's It's hard. And I think also it's a side project, right? Yeah. Like I still have a, you know, a day job. Right. So it's so it's like when 10% you're building product, balance, 10% marketing. <laughs> that's what it feels yeah. like. And yeah, so, and, and I do think me, not just me, every other developer who has a SaaS, we're so convinced we're one great feature away mm -hmm. from like, you know, uh, just incredible success. And so I, I do think that's that's part of the problem is just finding that balance and putting the mental energy into like thinking about marketing and making the marketing happen and, you know, learning and, and doing it and all that stuff. Because it's a new skill set, mm -hmm. too. Alex Hillman has like one of my favorite blog posts about this, which is why so many people who do 30 by 500 fail, not fail, that's maybe not the word, but don't launch a product because you take these developers who are really good at one skill set and then you ask them to basically start over yeah. <laughs> right in this marketing and they're like they freak out cuz you've become such an expert like starting over is just exhausting yeah you're like hey all these things you've learned over the last 20 years don't use any of those now and this is how you're going to succeed right <laughs> like cool easy <laughs> don't enough don't do any of that yeah <laughs> yeah and and the file or the you know the next feature kind of fallacy is very common. And I just want to mention that just really quick, because I'm not saying that this is what you're doing necessarily, but it's easy to fall into that trap because you feel like once I add this feature, then I will feel better and more motivated to, to do the marketing, but there's always the next feature, right? And so that's kind of like yeah. the, the catch 22 is that once you have this done, then there's the next thing that you think about or someone asks you about and then you kind of go back into that state. And even then, I think that what a lot of people, whether they consciously realize it or not, they think that if they build a great product, then people will talk about it and mention it. And like, there'll be this crazy word of mouth phenomenon that happens where just like, everyone knows yeah. about you all of a sudden, everyone wants to use you, everyone's praising you for building such an amazing product. And what, and this is like the, the least charitable interpretation of this, but to me, that just screams like, you want everyone else to do your dirty work. Like you just want everyone to do the marketing for you. You want all your customers to market for you. for you. You want everyone to just be like, wow, Colleen, you made such an amazing app. I have to mention you in all my blog posts now. And I have to give you a Twitter shout out. It's like, they don't owe you anything. They don't have to mention you or talk to you. Like that's on you 
to reach out to them and say, let me, te- let me tell you about my product and let's find a mutually beneficial way to work together. Right. And so again, I'm not like pointing that on you, but I'm just saying, no, no, you're totally right. I want everyone right. to do the work. Like <laughs> everything you said is also true about me. <laughs> right. You're like, why is no one talking about this? This is the amazing thing that I built. And that's true, but you can't expect them to do all that for you. You have to build the hype. You have to get people excited. You have to educate. You have to put in the work to naturally let that happen over time. Because eventually it does. That's called brand, right? You have a great brand. People yeah. talk about you. They recommend you. You don't have to do a lot of marketing, quote unquote, because you're just known as someone in the industry and all the work that you've done years in the past is still working for you today. But you have to put in that work to earn that brand and to reap the benefits later. That might be my most favorite thing you have said all hour. Wow, really? Like that was just, yes, because that felt so on point, not just for me, but for all people in my situation. Yeah. Like it felt so on point and so true. And sometimes we just need to remember that like, yeah, you got to do the work. Like this is yeah. this is this is what we're doing here. It, it it's true. I, I wish it wasn't that way. And I think also part of it might be colored by the fact that I think maybe ten years ago the internet was in a place where everything was new and novel and interesting. And it was like every so I just started listening to a new podcast called uh, Launched, and they feature mobile app developers. And they were just talking about how hard marketing is today because ten years ago. Anyone who launched an app got like a ton of press coverage out of nowhere. It was like everyone and their mom, yeah. you, you launch an app and like all of a sudden you're on the front of TechCrunch, this new app does X, Y, and Z. And people were just like, their minds were blown about how cool mobile apps were. And he's like, now I have to like beg and plead and sacrifice my firstborn in order for a freaking journalist to cover my <laughs> app. And it's so competitive. It's so noisy. Things have changed. Maybe 10 years ago, yeah. it was easy to just like put something out there and people talked about it and they loved it and it just went viral. And there's all these people who are hungry for things to talk about like your app. Today, it just isn't that way, which sucks. Yeah. But it also means that there's more opportunity because you know that all of your competitors and all the other people out there probably aren't putting in the work. So now you have an advantage over them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Corey, it has been absolutely a joy to have you on. Super fun. Very much. I very much appreciate it. And for you giving me all this great advice and chatting about marketing for SaaS founders. I'm the SaaS marketing guy. So this is what literally what I do for fun. And uh, I can't help myself but to nerd out. And that's like, literally, that's such an epitome of me because even going back to you, bare metrics, right? I'm like, hey, I'm not going to apply, but like, here's all these ideas for you. And I just, I (laughs) do that all the time. I literally can't help myself. So It's a pleasure and uh, glad to help. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Software Social Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Software Social Pod. Thanks for listening. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, Mega Maker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics. 
Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.